Well, we're in Galatians chapter 3, and the question that we uh, come to is, uh, did we receive the Spirit by hearing with faith, or, or did we receive uh, the Spirit by the things that we do? This is, this is not magical, this is not mystical, this is not new age when we're talking about the reception of the Spirit. But there is something supernatural that happens. As a person hears the gospel being articulated, and those whom the Lord has chosen from before the foundation of the earth at a moment's time, in their life, all of a sudden, everything begins to open up. They begin to hear the word of God with uh, clarity. They begin to see it, and their heart is pricked. There's a deep conviction within the spirit, and a person says, yes, I will, I will trust in the Lord. I'll trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to come and to save me from my sins. Trust in him alone. And if you're a Christian this morning, that, that happened to you. There was a moment where the Lord plucked you out of darkness. This is not just something where we say, you know, for a long time I was kind of a religious person and finally I decided to kind of stamp it down and get more committed or something. This is why when we have baptisms, I'll sit down, I'll talk to people before they get up and give their testimony. I'll talk to them about what they're going to say. Because oftentimes somebody will give a testimony such as, well, you know, I've, I've kind of known the Lord my whole life and you know, I was never really serious about God and finally I got serious about God, so here I am. That's not a testimony. That's not a testimony. The Bible says even Satan knows his Bible. Even the, even the demons know there's a God. They, the scripture tells us that they, that they tremble. And this is why we don't want to ever try to manipulate people's emotions, although the gospel comes with great emotion. Oftentimes, you'll sense the Spirit of God and you'll begin to weep. And we understand that there are more emotional people than other people, but when you begin to experience the power of God, it's manifest. It can be sensed. Your, your heart is convicted. Your heart is changed. You begin to understand and experience the overwhelming love of God. God really loves me, and he loves me in spite of all my sin. And then you throw yourself in faith alone on Christ alone. That's, that's what true salvation is all about. These Galatians, many of them had done that. They had been convicted with the true gospel. And there was a moment in time, and some of us have exact moments of time where we can remember the exact time and the exact even day when we got saved. Others cannot. They just know that they were lost at some point. And oftentimes children have a testimony like this growing up. They say, I don't know the exact moment, but I know that I was a sinner. I know I was lost. I was headed to hell. And at some point, Jesus Christ saved me and I... I know I wasn't always saved. I remember when I got saved, I was four years old, 38 years ago. It's a long time. 
remember there was a, a tornado warning in Ohio where we lived, and um, sometimes we would hear sirens outside for possible tornadoes coming through the area. So I was in the basement with my mother because that's where you would go if you had a if you had a basement. It's a good time to preach the gospel to your child um, when there's a tornado warning. You have his attention. And so she began to share the gospel with me. And I remember giving my life to Christ. I don't remember all the details, but I remember that event. And some of us have testimonies like that. And others of us don't. But one of the things that we do have is we know it was grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We know it wasn't us. We know it wasn't religion. We know it wasn't just a matter of commitment. We finally got more committed. We know, as we have said before, that it was a surrender. It was a waving of the white flag of saying, I surrender to you, God. I give up all my rights. I give up everything to you. I come underneath your, your lordship. And at a moment in time, we are, we are regenerated. We are made alive in Christ. This is a, a wonderful miracle. It's the greatest miracle that could ever happen to anybody is to be made alive in Christ. And so there were Galatians who had come to Christ. They had come to faith and they had known him by grace alone. And all of a sudden, some false teachers began to come in. And there was jealousy and there was envy on their part. And they looked at these people and they said, look at their freedom. Look at the way that they really know God. Look at the way that they have peace. And there was an envy there in their eyes. They had snake eyes. They were trying to manipulate these people through false teaching and say, listen, it's not just through grace. Yes, you need maybe some grace, but you've got to do it too. If you really want to be saved, if you want to continue in salvation, you need to come back under the Mosaic law. So it's God, but it's also you. You've got to play your part. We have people who are non-Jews who think that to this day. Well, God will play his part, and I'll also play my part, and somehow... We'll join up together and we'll synchronize this thing together. And all of a sudden, God will accept us based upon the fact that we have joined together in this partnership in this thing called salvation. God's, God's going to look at me. Sure, I need Jesus. Sure, I need God. Of course, I need him. Everyone needs him. Everyone needs a little forgiveness. After all, nobody's perfect. By the way, we see slogans like that, even in churches with no perfect people. I see this all the time. No perfect people allowed. I think to myself, we see that in church. It's become a famous slogan in many churches. Really, the truth is it's only sinners that are allowed. That's the only kind of person who can come into church. That's the only kind of person who can know the grace of God. Is a person who knows that they're a sinner who has come to an end of themselves and has received Christ as their Lord and Savior, has thrown himself or herself at the feet, at the mercy of Christ. Somehow we've gotten into this thing where it's just kind of like, well, we just accept everybody. We just accept everybody. Well, of course, anybody's welcome. Of course, that's a given. That's a given. But the question is, are we being called to deep repentance Are we called to a place of faith in Christ alone? 
And so these teachers were coming in and they were really, really messing with real Christians. And you think if somebody's a real Christian, surely they're not going to be deceived. They're not going to be led astray. But that's not the case. In fact, we have seen it even in our experience with new Christians that even though they have the Holy Spirit, they have salvation as a free gift. You would think that they would immediately begin to follow good teaching, sound doctrine, but the truth is they're easily led astray, just like new babies are. You think a baby, a small child would say, Mom, I realize my dependence on you. So thankful for you. Uh, you brought me into this world. You're the one who feeds me. You're the one who takes care of me. So I will keep my focus on you, Mom, and I will listen to everything that you have to say. And that's not the case at all. And so we have this issue here in this, these churches here in this region of Galatia. And Paul, Paul is asking this question. He's saying this, what happened? What happened? You ever ask a person that, that question? You say, you're doing so good. Everything, everything seemed fine. And all of a sudden, Something happened, something snapped, something was broken. All of a sudden, something crept in. Say, my goodness, I did not expect this. I didn't see this coming. And you're looking and you're going, the question that immediately comes to mind is, what happened? You go, all oh, this can't happen in the church. Can't happen to people that we know. Can't happen, surely can't happen to people that we trust, people that we think are doing well. Judas, what happened? What happened, Judas? You were with me the whole time. You saw the same miracles. You went through the same ministry, three and a half years of ministry. You were there, man. You were there the whole time. What happened? What happened, Jonah? Heard the call of God on your life? Doing so well? Looked like things were great until you got the message of where you were to go. And then, Jonah, that didn't work out so well. What happened, Jonah? Hey, David. David. Remember the lion and the bear? Remember the bear? Remember when you used to sing so sweetly before the Lord in innocence? It was real, David. It was the real thing. You really loved the Lord. Remember when you went into Saul? Remember your talk about Goliath? You weren't doing this in your own strength, David. You knew David as a young man. You knew. You knew it was the spirit. You knew it was the stuff of the Lord. It was his battle to be won. David, why aren't you leading your men into battle? David, what are you doing on the rooftop looking at Bathsheba? What happened? You killed her husband? Premeditated murder? The man after God's own heart? What happened? That's the question. And unless any of us in this room think that we stand, take heed lest we fall. That's, that's, 
That's the principle of scripture. And oftentimes what God has to do to a man or do to a woman, he's got to break them. And they have to get some life experience. And they think, that hey, we got things going on. We, we understand what's going on. God's like, okay, you got it going on at 15. All right, you got it going on at 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. I can still count by fives. That's good. <laughs> what's going on? What happened? He says some of them, like Judas, he was probably never a real believer. That's true. But what about the real believers? Like David. Did he lose his salvation? No. He fell. Hey, Adam, what happened? What happened, Eve? I was talking to my friend Rick last night, and he said they had... Everything. Heaven on earth. What could they possibly want? They didn't even have a sin nature. Everything that they wanted, they had. And yet, something got Eve's attention. Something got Adam's attention. And they both fell. Adam taking the responsibility for it. The scripture tells us he's the leader. He's the man. He's the husband. And we all fell, the Bible says, not in Eve, but we fell in Adam. What happened, Adam? And I think there's this uh, notion that we're just strong in the Lord, and man, the longer we journey in Christ, it's almost like we become bulletproof. Not so. David didn't fall as a young man, Adam wasn't 15. Abraham, you can go right down through it. You think Jonah was 21? I don't think so. And even when Paul tells Timothy, he says, listen, young man, flee from youthful passions. He's probably talking to somebody who's between 35 and 45. Young man, flee youthful, youthful lusts. Oh, if we go to church that preaches the gospel and they know the gospel, and they teach sound doctrine, nothing's going to happen to those people. Nothing will happen to the person who's in the church that hears the sound gospel because it's true and it's clear. We're all going to get it. Everybody's going to understand it. And nobody's going to have any issues because we hear, we have heard the truth. We've all heard the gospel. And yet that's not what happened in Galatia. That's not what happened with Paul's experience. If there's anybody's preaching that no one should ever fall from, it was Paul. We say, well, there must be something wrong with the preacher. Something must be wrong with the preacher because people are starting to abandon the true faith. Maybe it's the church. And by the way, we've been, we've been thinking about Paul and he's, he's bald He's not much to look at, and he sure is powerful when he writes. Wow, is he powerful. We listen to these things, we think, wow, that man can really write, and he really rebukes people and so on. But when he comes in person and he begins to preach, he's kind of weak, he's kind of small, he's kind of frail, you've got to really listen to hear what he's, he's saying. Half the time he's preaching about things that are difficult to understand. He's always using words like justification and sanctification and all these different things. 
Why can't he just bring it down to a cartoon level? Something must be wrong. But the Lord used him. And the question Paul has, flip with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. By the way, this is not a slur. He's not saying because you're from the region of Galatia, you're, you're a fool. He's just telling them who, who they are. And he's saying you, who happen to be Galatians, be like if he said you foolish Americans. He's, he's not taking a shot at Americans. He's not saying it's the American part that's the problem or the Galatian part. He's just saying, oh, Johnson, foolish Johnson, or oh, oh, Galatians, foolish Galatians. He's, he's strong here in his language. And by the way, the word here in the Greek doesn't mean like when, when he says foolish, there's actually a couple different words that he could have, he could have used here. And the one word is like people who just can't get it and they're, 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 fool or, they're fools or they're thick and they just can't get stuff. And he's going, come on, get it, get it. You don't get it, you need to get it, but you don't know how to get it because you can't get it. And that's not what he's saying. There's another word for fool. And it's the type of person who understands exactly what has been said. They understand it, but they reject it. So it's not like somebody going, I just can't get any of this. That's not what he's talking about when he says foolish Galatians. He's talking about the person that says, yeah, I've seen, I've seen exactly what you've been preaching. And you know what? I defy it. I reject it. And he's saying that person, listen, there, there are perhaps even people in this room say, I've heard it, and on the outward, outside you're saying, I've heard it, and I've received it, but on the inside you're saying, I reject it, reject it. Paul has a word for that kind of person. He calls them a fool, a fool. To hear the word of God, to understand the word of God, for, for God to preach through somebody like uh, the Apostle Paul, and to hear the word and to say, uh-huh, 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 but no, that person is, is a fool. This is why the scripture says over and over again, do not harden your hearts. It doesn't say don't harden your face. Some of the nicest people I've met are the hardest people. Don't ever be fooled by the smile on somebody's face. Because they're smiling, everything's great, and they're just very sensitive to God. Not so. Not so. It's not the outward appearance. It's not the face. It's not the hands waving in the worship service. It's not how loud we sing. You say, well, then I'll just not do anything. I won't sing. No, no, it's not what we're saying. Well, then I'll just be quiet. If that's what we want, a silent church. We'll, just be, we'll be monks. Don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your love grow cold. May it always stay, as the song says, may it always stay so childlike. Childlike. That's your responsibility. Say, well, if God wants to soften my heart, he can. Listen, if you have that attitude, you're hard. That's the problem. 
God wants to. He can do it to me. That's hardness. That is the hardness. The soft person says, yes, I see the truth and I receive the truth from the heart. And I would plead with you today, if your heart and your heart, soften your heart. Soften yourself. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I receive, I receive what you have for me. Would that we see Jesus. Don't let, your, don't let your heart grow hard and don't let your love grow cold. Is your love cold? He says this, oh, foolish Galatians, you know exactly what you're doing. You are fools. Who has bewitched you? This could be translated as um, somebody has given you the snake eye. Somebody's put a spell on you. Now, he's not saying a, a real spell, but he's using this language to show us what has happened to these people. He's saying, did you guys fall into a trance? Did you look into somebody's eyes and all of a sudden you got sleepy? Was it the snake in Jungle Book? Looking at their eyes. What happened? And all of a sudden he's saying they're just walking along like this. And he's saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. What happened? He's saying, did did somebody bewitch you? What, what happened here? What kind of spell did you fall under? Now he says this. We're going to close with verse 1. We got through with verse 1 today. Okay, that's, that's, that's where we're at. He says this. It was before your eyes. Think, think, think jungle book. Thinking, think looking into the snake's eyes. He says this. But before that happened to you, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed, literally meaning like a poster, like a painting. They didn't actually see Jesus physically live. They didn't meet him in, in person. They didn't, they didn't physically see him. And by the way, so is nobody here. In fact, nobody has seen Christ for about 2,000 years in body. That's a long time. So listen, I'm just a preacher who has seen Jesus through the way Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter three. And the preachers that have come before me, they never met Jesus in person either. Isn't that amazing that we're all here? It's amazing. And the generation before that, uh, they were preachers and people who came to Christ and knew Christ, loved Christ and sang for Christ, danced for Christ, cried for Christ loved on Christ, and they never saw him. How's that possible? That's why uh, Peter says, 1 Peter 1.8, even though you haven't seen him, you love him. For 2,000 years, that's the way it's been working. You haven't seen him. Has anybody here seen Christ this morning, had a muffin with him or anything? Coffee? Anybody here? Nobody here has had anything to do with the body of Christ. Of course not. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever seen him? Yeah, you have. You say, how, how have you seen him? You've seen him through the portrayal of the gospel. And it's so real and it's so powerful, you say, I didn't just hear a story, I saw Christ. That's why when we meet Christ, it, it's not going to be a, 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 first, a first meeting where we're going, mercy, my goodness, you're so different than I ever pictured you. 
So different. I, I thought you're going to be a totally like your personality just doesn't even match what I ever thought. No, no, no. If you you ever have a relative that you really love and then you haven't seen him for like 20 years or 10 years or something and then you see him again, it's like you just picked up right where you left off. That's what it's going to be like. Jesus, I know you. I saw you publicly portrayed as crucified. I remember the preaching. And it was so real, it was like I was watching you in person. It was that real. I knew it was real. In fact, in fact, there was a presence in the room that brought all this to reality within my heart. I knew, I knew. It was publicly portrayed. The poster, the, the picture, the painting was all there. It was all real life. I saw it. I saw you. And Paul is saying this to the Galatians. He's saying, um, I know you saw this because I saw you see it. I saw you see him. I watched. I watched the tears in your eyes. I watched the worship. I talked with you in private. I know what you guys are like. That's what he is saying. He said, I know you. And I know, I saw, I saw, Paul is saying, I saw that you saw him through, not me, he's saying, but through the preaching of him, through the preaching of the gospel. And he's saying to them, but what, what happened? What happened? As we close, I, I think there should be a, a couple of responses to this. I think number one is a kind of a holy fear. A holy fear that would say, God, please preserve me and keep me from being bewitched. And if you have the spirit this morning that says, won't happen to me, get ready. The only way to be saved from, from, from this danger is apostolic preaching and the power of the Holy Spirit in utter dependence upon God. And God, keep me. God, preserve me. Help me. Help me. Help. Help. And then the second response is maybe there's somebody who currently knows you're hard this morning. You're just hard. You're hard. The Lord is reaching out and he's saying it's time to just break. We're not just singing, break every chain, break every chain, for fun. We're saying because there's real chains. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, we ask you that you would protect us from the evil one, that serpent of old, who has bewitched us at different points in our life. Lord, we look back over our life and we think we fell into his entrapment. We gazed at him too long. We became mesmerized. I pray for any person who's under a spell this morning that you would break it. We're not talking about some weird 
spell, Lord, we're just talking about the spell of the enemy. The, the chains that he brings. The bondage that he brings. Lord, I pray against wrong thinking. Any kind of thinking that's not of you, that's wrong thinking. You would bring clarity this morning. Holy dependence upon you, we pray. Pray for the one who says, I'm hard this morning. I don't know what it is. I'm just hard. You're saying, I want out of that. I want out of that hardness. I don't want to be hard. I know the Lord. I don't know what's happened. Paul, if he was talking to me, would ask that question. He'd say, what happened? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're responding to either one of those two things, you just say, that's me this morning. We're not going to call anyone up. We're just going to ask for prayer. If you say, that's me, I just, I just need prayer this morning for those things or those things and related things to that. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone here? Just say, I need that. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Hardness of heart. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we uh, noticed earlier, we can sense your presence here with us. We worship you, Holy Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you that you would sober our minds today and yet give us a a relief that we have in you, a relief that says, thank the Lord that he pulls out us out from this gaze. He pulls us out from underneath these spells. He has the power to actually break the chains. And we ask you, O oh God, that you would break chains today. Break every chain, we pray. Break every chain.